Welcome to Weird Wednesday. This is Tina, and Tori and I are so glad that you're here. Today we discuss the series Missing 411, which highlights the shocking number of people who go missing in America's national forests. As can be expected, the Lord has his way at the end of the podcast, and we hope that you guys are encouraged by it. Please follow us on Instagram at Weird Wednesday Podcast. As always, you can email us Tori is T-O-R-I at weirdwednesdaypodcast.com, or you can email me, Tina, at weirdwednesdaypodcast.com. We hope that you guys enjoy today's episode, and as always, stay weird! It's Weird Wednesday. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start getting fancy. I am. And I think I'm going to try out different different things. I have at least three presets. So <laughs> you'll be surprised every single week. <laughs> Look at us with our natural daylight lighting. <laughs> It's so funny every time we record during the day. I know. It's, it's weird. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually we wait until the littles are in bed, which to be fair, it's early enough that everyone in my house is sleeping and half the dogs are still asleep. Wow. I know. Can't say the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on opposite schedules, so in... The mornings are really quiet here, mm-hmm. and the evenings are really loud. And then opposite for you, mm-hmm. the mornings are really loud, the evenings are quiet. So yep. We make it work, though. We make it work. Yeah, it's funny how the seasons of life are always different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Tori, what's weird? So uh, last night, or the last time we recorded... I accidentally sent my MP4 file to someone else. (gasps) Instead of me. (laughs) Instead of you. And not just, not someone that's like, I'm that, not somebody that I'm close with, but someone who I have not talked to in a long time. What? (laughs) And I did not realize that that happened until this morning. So I texted this person back and said, I'm so sorry. Did not mean that, you know, to be sent to you. And this was their reply. Oh, no. They wrote, ha, 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 child stole your phone, question mark. I can... Only imagine what the one-sided recording sound like. Because we were laughing so much in the beginning. And it's like you said, it's only my side. And so it literally sounds like I'm talking to myself. I'm crying. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. Man. That is hilarious because I'm just ta- I'm just 
thinking of the first five minutes of that recording. Oh, man. That's hilarious. You did the Usher. Uh-huh. And we laughed. And uh-huh. then I... I did my what's weird, and we laughed for 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. But also, if you can't laugh at it, then what is I life? Know. I know. <laughs> but also, how much of it did she actually listen to? I don't know, but it was over an hour of audio. So I don't know if that's what she went to sleep listening to last night. <laughs> Unintentional marketing. With something like that, I feel like I probably, if it were me, after I heard the first 30 seconds, I would have been like, mm, okay, this wasn't intentional. This was definitely a child who took their parents' phone and sent it to someone. That's hilarious. That made my day. You're welcome. My something weird was actually for the listeners, and it's like Weird Wednesday trivia for them. Down the road, we'll have all these little golden eggs. So what the listeners may not know is that we have missing episodes, or you guys have missing episodes, I should say. Tori and I had recorded in person episodes two, three, and episode four, but those episodes were never actually released, and so your guys's episodes two three and four are actually episodes five six seven so the episodes that you guys your two three and four are actually five six and seven missing episodes one of these days we will release them there were just a lot of issues with the audio and background noise because both our families were together in the same house and we underestimated the quality of our microphones And also our husband's abilities to rein them in. (laughs) Rein the kids in. (laughs) Yeah, we did a lot to ensure good quality and nothing worked. We put a blanket up against the wall. We sound barrier. Yes, we literally put a gate so that nobody could come in. Nothing. One of these days, we'll work on the audio. Episode four could be released but it's we did a series on a show that we watched and it and i'm pretty sure it was like the second part so it wouldn't even make sense it wouldn't make sense (laughs) but we told a lot of fun stories because we you know we were so excited it was our second and third episode in person and so one of these days you guys will get that but it'll be like a flashback and (laughs) you'll be like what's happening this is so weird i don't know about you but I have this sense that, you know, we've gotten into a groove. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even listening to some of the past episodes, it it's pretty different. Well, we knew that would happen, that we would, mm-hmm. you know, slowly evolve into whatever format the show would be. So mm-hmm. I think that's normal. I think we, we knew it would happen and we were also hoping it would happen. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> still ourselves yes 100 percent. so speaking of missing things our topic today is based on the books and docuseries missing 411 by david pilatus 
So David Pilatus is a former police officer turned private investigator. And you know what, Tori? I watched the docuseries quite a while ago, and I realized that they really did have an impact on how I view the National Forest's missing people even it has informed my time out in the wilderness so since i have watched that i've been both i've been to both uh rainier national park and the rocky mountain national parks with my children and i really was cognizant more cognizant of staying in groups when we went to rocky mountains it was just the three of us and so i really really stressed staying together Um, When we went the last time, last couple times we've gone to Rainier, we usually meet up with family there. And, you know, some of the kids like to go a little bit faster, but really stressing nobody walks alone. Mm. And the reason I had that rule was because of this, because in the past I used to kind of start to meander by myself. Um, One of my kids would run off on the trail, staying on the trail, but Mm -hmm. would run run off ahead. That wasn't totally abnormal. And so I have to say that I I hadn't really realized until recent reflection how much this docuseries impacted me. And I realized how grateful I am that this is such a calling on David's life because not only did he do the docuseries in the books, but he also runs um, the Can-Am Missing Project. And I'm just so grateful that he's brought it to all of our attention because they do several hundred investigations a year. But there's a public reporting site, Statista, and they repeat that annually hundreds of thousands of people go missing like in 2022 was the last statistics I statistic I saw, and it was 500,000. I don't know what their criteria is. That could just, that could be anything. That's not necessarily specific to the forest services. But I was really grateful for David Pilatus for this because the United States Forest Service and the National Park Services tell us that they don't keep track but either way if they do or they don't they're not releasing that information and the number of missing people as i was saying is staggering Mm -hmm. and to think that that many people go missing every single year and we don't hear about it you know those are families torn apart it's just mind-blowing that so much of this is happening yeah my initial thoughts were this is really sad Because Mm -hmm. all the stories that I watched the documentary, um, all the stories were about children Mm -hmm. and around the age of my son. And we Mm -hmm. hike all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty good about not having him out of my sight in the first place, especially because he's so young. But regardless, it was really sad. And I thought it was interesting that the government official who is in charge of the national parks in the United States couldn't even recall whether or not they had a a list for missing people in national parks specifically. And when they reached out to national parks to get that list, they said it would cost them $1.4 million 
to see to get wow. to get their hands on. One point four million dollars. Why would they need to profit off of a missing persons list? When people are wanting that so that they can have some kind of stepping stone into looking for their own person or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, that's really the reason why they want to see these num- these names and these stories is what one of the private investigators on the thing was saying is that it's nice to have that list because you see what worked and what didn't work. And mm-hmm. in each circumstance, they're, the way it happened and what happened was very similar like how they went missing yes yeah he calls them profile points mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the similarities so and it's really intriguing so i haven't watched the two-hour documentary that you watched i watched several of them and one of the ones that stood out to me the most was this family who went hunting it was brothers and their dad and I can't remember how many brothers there were, but their dad chose a spot and then a certain distance further down in the woods, one of the brothers sat and then a certain distance further down the woods, another brother sat and, you know, they all spread out that way and they all knew exactly where they were because they dropped, you know, they would drop off a brother drive down, drop off the next one, drive down, drop off the next one. So the day was going well with these hunters and they heard a shot fired from where, from their dad's location and they all had walkie talkies and whatnot. But it was just so heart wrenching because they heard the shot. They walkie talkied him. There was no response. They went to his position and there was just no trace and that's one of the things so the first step is being separated from your party that's Mm -hmm. the first profile point that all of these missing persons in these parks that david pilatus has investigated that's the first thing they have in common is they all get separated from their party second is inclement weather follows right after the disappearance which is so wild because of how much we've been talking about these mysterious weather patterns recently. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of the Thunderbird thing you were talking about last episode because you said that they saw the Thunderbird, the inclement weather was basically following it, right? Mm-hmm. They saw it right before. And that's super similar to this. You know, it's immediately following this event is when really rough weather picks up. Um, The third profile point is that search and rescue canines cannot pick up a scent at all. They can Mm -hmm. search an entire area and never find a single clue. And then the, the fourth point, as I said, was that there's no tracks or belongings left behind. When, go, when people go missing. So separated, inclement weather, no scent, and then no tracks or belongings. And, and it's just so sad to me because those poor sons, I mean, they were older sons, but man, they tore that those woods apart looking for their dad. They don't know what he shot at. They never found a blood trail or animals. 
you would think that if he was shooting at something and he missed, maybe it got lodged into a tree or something. They just could not figure out what he shot at. But that's the last sound that they heard from him. And some of you might be thinking like, maybe it was a mountain lion. Maybe he got attacked by by something like that. The statistic is, is that there's only been 14 reported fatal attacks by mountain lions in the U.S. and Canada since 1915. I believe it. I believe it. And there's been hundreds of thousands of people missing. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands a year. So mm-hmm. that's millions upon millions of people missing since 1915. Mm-hmm. And it's quite obvious when there's an animal attack. Right. Yeah. Because there's tracks, there's signs of a struggle, there's blood. DNA, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... So there's nothing like that. So I wouldn't, I understand why people's uh, thoughts would go there first. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. But if you think critically about it, there's Mm -hmm. just no way that that's the answer to all those missing people. Mm -hmm. It could be in some cases, a missing people's, they wandered off the trail. They got lost. Yet again, though, how come there's no scent? Mm-hmm. And eventually you would think that they'd get found mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or recovered, I should say. Yeah. But that reminded me of a story that a friend told me uh, last week about her brothers. They went hunting up in over here in, in the Idaho area and they were out in the middle of nowhere. They drove their truck up, got to their spot. And as soon as they got up out of their truck, they saw um, a deer or a stag or something. So they shot at it. They thought that they got it right away, but then it starts to wander off. And they knew that the way that they had shot the animal, that it couldn't have gone very far. So they both decide to go follow it. So this is honestly only 20 feet from where their truck was. They go down to look for it and they're, you know, packing it and everything. And then they get up and they're lost. They had no idea where they were. They were really turned around. They were looking like walking in basically circles at that point for hours. Ended. And this is sub zero temperatures. Oh, no. So they're figuring out how to build a shelter. They're figuring out how to get heat. And so they had to stay the night in the wilderness and the mom realizes something's wrong. They should have been back by now, or at least I've gotten, gotten in contact with me. So of course she calls them missing. They go out and start searching for them. And, and then the grandma was praying and praying and praying that they'd get found They get up to the area where they knew they were going to be, or at least around the area, and they they run into this fisherman. And the fisherman's like, oh, yeah, I saw them walking with, I saw them stop with this other guy to ask for directions, and then they took off up that way. So they get up, they find the truck, but they were only, so this is where the truck was. They were only like right here. What? But they never could 
get back. To me, there's no explanation for that. That's logical. You know, I understand that some people can get turned around and things like that, but that close, I just, it felt very weird. I mean, when you do that with your hands, what is the scale of that? Like, how many feet away is that? Honestly, like 20 feet. That's they were here, crazy. and they said they went down a little embankment, and that's where they were. They never really moved, even though they had been walking around for hours trying to find their truck. They ended up being in the same exact spot that they had left. Wow. So then they asked them about this guy that they had stopped and asked for directions, and they're like, what are you talking about? We never stopped and asked anybody for directions. <gasps> what if it was an angel? But I thought that was interesting that from that short of a distance that they – to me, it's almost as if they went into a different dimension or I know that's kind of throwing that out there, but I feel like they might have gotten pushed somewhere because you read these these other stories of people hiking and then they wander off a little bit and they're being searched and the people are right there, but no one can find them. You're right. I have heard stories like that. My initial thought was, you know, was the embankment so somehow obscuring their their view or perception of depth or whatever the case may be you know if they go down an embankment and they're looking forward they're not thinking to look up you know where their truck may be and depending on like the foliage and if there's snow or whatever I can kind of see how an embankment could potentially if it's a large embankment if it's like a two-foot embankment then no <laughs> sorry dudes no excuse <laughs> But also, I mean, were these two men, is this like a where's the ketchup in the refrigerator type deal? <laughs> but they're avid hunters, so it's not, they know how to track, they know how to to do all of those mm -hmm. things. They do it all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're in their late 20s, so they've been doing it for a really long time. Yeah. And so this was the first and only time that that's ever happened. That is really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And super scary. Really scary. Uh, they had to stay overnight and build shelter. So so what did they say? I mean, did they feel like something supernatural or... Right. She didn't really go into that many details in terms of their side of it. They were just confused as to who they were talking about when they kept saying, this guy told us where you were, basically. And wow. they said that's impossible because we didn't talk to anybody. Wow. No one knew where we were. And they felt it was eerie enough for them to be freaked, you know, and they didn't think they were going to make it. And so, I mean, it is honestly a miracle that they did make it that long in those temperatures. Um, I also wanted to say that. So the documentary goes over five different stories. and. I was trying to listen to see if there was any type of, co not coincidence, but similarities outside of the profile points. Mm -hmm. And the one thing, I'm getting nervous even talking about it. <laughs> the one thing that was common between all five of those stories is the number 10. Oh, how so? So um, Dior Jr., he was a two-year-old who got lost, like vanished out of thin air. They have no idea what happened to him t still to this day. 
Mm-hmm. He went missing July 10th, 2015. Then Bobby Biozup went missing August 15th, and he was 10 years old. Jared went missing, or yeah, he went missing. This was a three-year-old who, they're just really heartbreaking stories, honestly. I got very emotional. He wandered off and also went missing on October 2nd, 1999. So the 10th, 10th, October is the 10th. Oh, yeah. Samuel also went missing in October. And Keith went missing April 10th. All five of these stories. The number 10. So I wanted to, I was like, what is the significance of that? You know, somehow I felt like it was all connected in, in that. So I looked up what is significant about the number 10. It is... They call it the secret religion Hmm. of the Pythagorean. So the Pythagorean symbol for this occult, basically, is the Tetactris. And this is what's insane to me, is there are ten dots, and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It has ten points. Yeah, ten points. ten points. And they're all triangles. First of all, Mm -hmm. and the symbolism of each row is each dimension. So when you said that the number 10, kind of my researcher's brain went in and I was curious if the individuals who put the documentary together knew that they had 10 in common. You know, is that how they chose them on purpose? But then... As you were talking, I'm like, what if they put that in there on purpose to, like, tell you something they couldn't tell you? Mm-hmm. To, like, tell you without telling you? Because that has to be intentional, is my is my personal opinion. No, I felt the exact same way. That's why mm-hmm. I even noticed it. I mm-hmm. thought to myself, why would 10 be in every single story? Mm-hmm. And so then I looked that up, and that's when it blew my mind. Each row is representative of a dimension in this secret religion or whatever. Um, But it says the Tetractus, also known as the Decad, is an equilateral triangle formed from the sequence of the first 10 numbers aligned in four rows. It is both a mathematical idea and a metaphysical symbol that embraces within itself. The principles of the natural world, the harmony of the cosmos, the ascent to the divine, and the mysteries of the divine realm. Wow. And it says there is a specific prayer to worship it, mm-hmm. kind of like the all, Our Father prayer, mm-hmm. except with math. There's one of the prayers starts with, Oh, holy, holy, Tectactris. And it's funny to me how all of these different, this is kind of totally going off track, but it's funny to me that these occults totally steal from the Lord and make it their own counterfeit because, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. they're making their own version of that, but with this 10 point triangle. They're always mimicking the Lord. You know... The Masons use the quote-unquote sacred 
Tetractus. Mm. That's the first occult that pops up for me on my end when I just looked at this as you were talking. I'm just saying. That's like a rabbit hole I can spend a little bit of time in. (laughs) At which, you know, I feel like that's kind of where I wanted to go with it was these this whole missing 411 thing. That's why I even said that about my friend's story. It, mm-hmm. it seems more than that, you know? It seems... With dimensions. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just feels... How do they go away without a trace? And you know what's one thing also that they had said was that the people who disappear are usually physically impaired, have something genetically wrong, or some kind of deficiency. Look at this creepy photo I have just stumbled upon. So... He's like starting to draw the triangles on a wall and there's people stuck inside. Mm-hmm. Oh no. That's super Tell me why that man looks also two times bigger than those people. The Nephilim. That is bizarre. Really bizarre. You want to hear something else that's kind of bizarre that's not necessarily yep. related? Pull me out of this, please, because I'm the I'm in <laughs> the ad. In it. The ad that popped up in during the documentary was for a game called uh, Bingo Blitz or something like that, and it's a government official who's playing the game, and some another government official runs in saying that we're being invaded by aliens. What? Yep, that was the ad, and Drew Barrymore sitting there playing the game, and she says something like. Oh, they can wait. We're playing this game or whatever. But again, here they are trying to get us to think it's no big deal. Just play your game. You're being invaded Mm. by aliens. It's whatever. You have to think something like that. I mean, they didn't create it. And so it must have a holy purpose, right? Something more, something miraculous that the Lord created. And it does go back to these fallen angels who shared information that they weren't meant to share. Mm. And then, you know, when I see something like that and how occults have used it and are using it for nefarious purposes, you know, that's just part of the corruption of what we've been experiencing because of the knowledge, the sacred sciences that the fallen angels shared with humans it is just i'm like how did we go so long without knowing these things Mm -hmm. and that's so that's that's another thing that i thought of as i was reflecting on um david pilatus's work is i'm always just so grateful when we get these reality checks of what this fallen world is really like because I firmly believe that is part of the entertainment industry's purpose is to distract us from what is reality. That includes movies, singing, but also sports, football, basketball, you know, NHL. Like how, because I'm guilty of this too. Mm -hmm. I love Seattle sports. I like through and through I'm a Seattle sports fan and 
I catch myself doing that, getting so lost in this made up world. You know, I mean, those are real people. There's believers, you know, there's really good stories. We love a good sports story, mm-hmm. you know, but how lost we get in those stories versus some of the big things going on right under our noses. You can go your whole life sucked in and buried in this created reality, totally missing everything that's happening due to the repercussions of Genesis 6, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You'll live in it and you'll be affected by it, but it won't be in your... The forefront of your mind. You won't consciously be recognizing what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, praise the Lord for people like David who put these things in our faces. We Christians are, well, humans, period, are so good at compartmentalizing our lives. And we know there's this thing over here that needs to be addressed. Um, But unless we intentionally put it in front of our faces every single day, we're just going to it leaves our conscious mind, Mm -hmm. you know? It's easy to forget and ignore. Mm -hmm. You know, the same is true with the Word of God. If you don't consciously put the Word of God in front of your face every single day, it's just gonna be one of those things that go on the back burner and you go about your daily life. So I'm not saying we should focus on, you know, all these extra dimensions and all this evil happening. However, there has to be a balance, right, between Okay, am I going to watch? stop watching Kraken Hockey? No, probably not. <laughs> you know? But can I be more intentional about keeping at the forefront of my mind that we're in a battle right now? We're in a spiritual battle. And make no mistake, the enemies of God are living and breathing this. Mm-hmm. Right? They are collectively working against us. And it's working. Mm -hmm. And we believers are so distractible. And not even distractible, but we're still kind of blind. We're still kind of blind and in denial of what's really going on. That there, there are strategic plans to get even the elect, as the Bible says, you know, to deceive even the elect. And get them to buy into the enemy's end time plan, you know, or at least be blind to it so that we don't put up any roadblocks. I don't know. What's your opinion? Do you think that Christians are are doing a good job combating what is happening in the world right now? Um, I think that one of the biggest lies the enemy has fed us for a long time is to be busy. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, as just people in general, are constantly unavailable, mm-hmm. whether that's filling your plate up with all the extra or being on your phone or, you know, and like you said, I don't think there's anything wrong with partaking in some of these things, but at what point is it too much and at where where's the line, you know, and I would even say that, well, there's a verse that I wanted to read. It's Galatians 2, 19 through 21, and it says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. 
So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was kind of meditating on this morning because am I living because of the law or am I living because God truly has transformed me into it being Christ who's living in me and not myself. And I think that would seep into even what we're talking about. You know, as believers, it's so imperative that we live as Christ did to combat these things. Christ was always thinking about God's plan. Everything that he did, every step that he took was in the direction of what God had planned for for salvation. Why are you smiling? I'm smiling because you were watching me when I when I prayed for the Lord to give me a verse for today, because when I was supposed to be doing it, I was talking to my brother instead. And so Tori and I got on to record and I was like, I still haven't pinpointed a verse. Let me pray. And I asked you if you had one. You were like, yes, I have one. But you didn't tell me what it was. (laughs) So I'm smiling because of how well the verse that the Lord gave me fits into everything you just said. Oh my so God. as you're talking, I'm looking <laughs> at my Bible like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm smiling because I'm like, wow, Lord, you're just, I love you so much. I know, I'm getting teary-eyed. Yeah. You saw me. No, I know. I watched the whole thing happen. I was like, I need a moment, and I just kind of let the Lord speak to me. Yeah. I, Go ahead, continue, and then I'll <laughs> read my verse. I have goosebumps. Uh, I mean, that was pretty much it. I honestly don't even remember where I left off, but I think that it's just really, really important for us to die to ourselves, and that's every day. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to say more than that because I feel like I said what I needed to say. The verse I I wanted to share with you guys is from Psalm 119. It's verse 133 through 136. And it says, Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statues. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. And initially, I was only going to read, keep steady your steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Because in my head, I was like, that's the easiest part of this verse to tie into what we've been talking about. Um, But you'll see on this page in my new Bible like it's highlighted all the way down because the lord's like keep going keep going and to end on my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law that was totally the lord wow (laughs) i don't even 
say. I just love it when he does things like that. Seriously, though. And gosh, like, you guys, we did not plan that. We did not talk about it. I just, she just asked mm-hmm. if I had a verse, and I said, yeah, I have one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. boom. Boom. The Lord showed up. Really, though. Okay. And some people, I want to say this, too. I, for a while in my Christian walk, I didn't understand what it meant to hear from the Lord. And I thought that you had to hear, like, an audible voice. Victoria, (laughs) this is the Lord speaking. (laughs) Turn to page 250. (laughs) But, man, when you really are still and you ask the Lord to speak to you, you know when it's the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in this in this moment, you guys just witnessed the Lord speaking. So he can and he will. You don't have to hear an audible voice. Your spirit knows. I'm blown away. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I know. And I just I just second what Tori said that the more time you spend communing with the Lord, putting his word in front of your face. I say this to the boys all the time. This is the living word of God. This is the only book you will ever read that feeds you, mm. that gives life to you. Mm. And and I, I think that that's, that's how, that's one of the ways I learned to decipher when the spirit is moving versus my own thoughts or feelings is you spend that time in God's word, you become very, very familiar with how he speaks to you through his word. Mm -hmm. And that's the feeling, sensation, slash knowing of when God is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. It's because of the investment that you've already put in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just like people say, you know, all the things that you're reading and studying in God's word may not be applicable today, but they will be one day. Mm-hmm. It's an investment, not only into your relationship with the Lord, but into your future trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Can you know? Can you imagine walking into those trials and tribulations without already having the Lord spoken to your heart and spirit to prepare you? Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for his word, and I'm so grateful that the Lord loves his children enough to even reach down and whisper into our souls. <laughs> <laughs> he like leans over and just gives you a nudge, whisper something in your heart. I know. And it's always so delicate. It never feels condemning or it never feels, I mean, there's conviction, but even in conviction, it doesn't feel like I, I know that the shame isn't coming from the Lord. Whatever shame comes from that conviction isn't. God doesn't want that. God wants us to to just turn from it, learn from it, and, you know, grow. Well, and, and you know, a lot of people have this view of the Lord as though he punishes his children, and he doesn't. He says he chastises his children because he loves us, and chastisement is firm, yet it it preserves relationship Mm -hmm. when you when i when i chastise a child one of my kids 
it's done preserving this relationship, keeping it safe and loving, but also being very firm that this is an expectation or if you continue down this path, this will hurt you. Mm -hmm. We're going to redirect. Mm -hmm. That's chastisement versus punishment. Well, I think some people see it as whatever their relationship is or was with whatever authority they grew up with. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. The Lord, like I said, I feel the Lord in my own relationship with him has been firm, but I know it's coming from a place of love. It never feels like he's trying to bring me down or tear me apart. It feels like he's trying to build me up. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so that's a good way of saying it because punishment is a penalty, right? You're receiving a penalty for a wrongdoing, which we know that Jesus paid the price. Every penalty that we could possibly receive for the sins that we've committed have been taken on by Jesus Christ. I almost said our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So chastise, or sorry, punishment. But chastisement is correction. Like I said, correcting someone's path. And you can do that in a very loving manner. And that's what I feel like it is from the Lord. I used to always be afraid of Lord the Lord's anger. But what's funny is once I started pursuing that relationship with the Lord, I've never felt his anger. Mm-hmm. Not once. Even when I needed to mm-hmm. be corrected. And there are times, there are periods in my life where there was major correction. And I'll tell you, I was always humbled when he corrected me. Because it was so gentle and so loving, as you said earlier, Mm -hmm. so gentle and so loving. And it humbled me. And when you become humbled, you gladly put yourself in a lower position Mm -hmm. to honor the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the complete opposite of arrogance and pride, you know, thinking that thinking haughty, Mm -hmm. haughtily of ourselves is haughtily a word. But that's something that God's been really speaking in my heart about, too, in the last week. I mean, there's a lot of things that he's been talking to me about. But one of the top two things is pride and humility Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. pride become pride comes before the fall, how we we shouldn't boast within ourselves, but in Christ and that we shouldn't try to boast ourselves, but let Christ, you know, be the one to exalt us, to to lift us up in that way. And man, I'm telling you. God has been revealing to me what happens to you when pride takes over your heart. And it's not pretty. No, it's not. When when we're prideful, it's almost as though we're taking God's role in our lives. Mm-hmm. Because when we're prideful, we're no longer asking what the Lord thinks or asking the Lord's thoughts or his direction. We're taking that on ourselves. We're worshiping ourselves our own thought placing our trust in things that we think we can produce and that's the biggest thing and not to say sometimes i do i have to check myself Mm -hmm. i'm like wow lord am i being arrogant right now what are these thoughts please give me your thoughts Mm -hmm. because i don't know what these are so so i think that that's why it's so strongly cautioned against in the word or why it's 
blatantly brought to our attention in the word is because of how life-threatening it is in the sense of our spiritual life. Right, it's destructive. Mm -hmm. To take on a prideful, arrogant, superior attitude. Mm -hmm. When, like I said, when the Lord has reached out to me, it makes me humble. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to be lowly. And it makes me think of King Nebuchadnezzar and how, you know, God revealed himself to him. He fell down to his face and worshiped the Lord, knew he was the Lord, even proclaimed that he was. Because his heart hadn't been changed, the next paragraph, he's building this golden statue of himself and is saying, hey, when you hear this music, you better bow down or you're going to die. I'm going to burn you alive. Tell me that's not pride. But then guess what happens? The Lord says, hey, you didn't listen to me. I told you that we don't, I'm the one that appointed you as king. I can make you king and I can also take it away. And then he banishes him into exile basically for seven years and he ate like an animal, goes cuckoo bananas. And and it wasn't until he came, it says that he came out of his is his insanity and realize and remember what the Lord had said, that the moment you come back to me, the moment that you proclaim that I am Lord, I will re-exalt you. And then Mm. he did. He humbled himself. And not only did he get reinstated as king, but he was reinstated with even more than before. And that's what it feels like to be corrected by the Lord, is that he gives He corrects you and then puts you back into the place he had you, but even more than before. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the end of Job where it says the second half of his life was more blessed than the first half. That's one of my favorite. Just And he lost everything, like even his children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then he was given more babies. Not his wife, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all know that you still need that. That makes me laugh. Well, wow. So when we started recording, I had no idea that this is where the Lord was going to go. But praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to listen again. I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, listeners, every time we record, it's the experience is so unique Mm -hmm. because there's like the impression that I get of the episode while we're recording. Mm And then when, while I'm editing, I feel like it's different than what I had experienced. And then when we listen to the finished product, it's a totally different experience again. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm always really blessed by the process and I'm just glad that the Lord can use it. And I can't wait to listen back to all of this and kind of follow the the train that we were on (laughs) and how we ended up where where we did Mm -hmm. so super cool again we're always grateful for you guys we love hearing from you Uh, we enjoy your feedback and your comments and you know may the lord keep steady your steps this week according to his promise Mm -hmm. and may no iniquity get dominion over any of you any of us So this week, stay curious and stay weird.